Danny and joining us on this April 22nd, 2021 edition of Around the Old 160. Have a great chat with him about his career as a trainer, how how he got from point A to point B as a walk-on at Virginia under Dave Lado. Uh, super interesting guy. Uh, really enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, Holly was out today because of a loss and so the final presentation for is on Monday for Expo Day and getting excited. Um, it's really been fun doing these podcasts. Uh, we've really just grown a lot over the from the course of November uh, when we did our first podcast with Tanner to now and we did or when we're doing our last podcast with Damon. But yeah, just a couple of NBA things before we get into our chat with Damon. So Steph Curry, he is outrageous right now. He's averaging 40 points per game in the month of April on 51% true shooting from behind the line. And, you know, at some point we're going to have to acknowledge that we can't take Steph Curry for granted because what he's doing now is absolutely insane. And, you know, when people are going under screens from like three, four feet out behind the line, it's, I'm like, that's in like, it's over. Like, he and he physically he has to carry this team because he has to score 40 for this team to even have a chance at winning and i they beat philly on monday night there was no simmons or no harris but it's still a, still a win against a really good defensive team cuz thibel and uh and bead were having some really good games and uh danny green has been great for philly uh really solid defense but it's been a joy watching steph again in this kind of john wick sort of role he has now uh, the injuries, injuries have been kind of abysmal now. It's been pretty ugly to watch these past couple of weeks. We had Jamal Murray with the ACL tear last week, obviously, and that kind of killed the Nuggets' hopes to have that secondary uh, creator beside Jokic, rather. And it's really unfortunate because I was that they were a sleeper team to win the West or make a conference finals in the West. I don't think any teams beating a healthy AD and LeBron, but and Brooklyn. The same thing, uh, hardening out with the hamstring and definitely until the, I assume he'll be back for the playoffs. But if we know one thing about Brooklyn is they are very unpredictable in what they do. And they seem to be being extra cautious with Durant as he, uh, the, against the heat on Sunday, I guess he bruised his knee or something. That's what it seemed like, or it was a right thigh contusion. And he's been out for the whole weekend. We've only seen seven games total of the big three and Irving Durant and Harden play together. So I really don't know what it's going to look like come playoff time. And obviously LaMarcus Aldridge retired because of the heart issue. And, you know, even though Denver has suffered some injuries, I think it is time to acknowledge that it is clear that Nikola Jokic is the front runner for the MVP this year because of his absolute ridiculous numbers. The Nuggets have now won I think they're undefeated since the Murray injury, which is ridiculous. I still don't think that they have enough come playoff times to, to make a Western conference finals, but you know, you can prove me wrong because this season has been not anything but predictable and the red hot Phoenix suns. I think CP three, I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I think he has to be at least in the conversation for MVP, maybe like behind Embiid and uh, Jokic, but, you know, the way he slowed down the pace of the game, I think a lot of us were kind of fretting, hey, is this going to work with Devin Booger, who is really effective 
out in the open court. And at first it didn't seem like it did, but uh, Phoenix has really gotten going. And uh, with Mitchell out uh, for Utah, it seems like Phoenix is going to grab the one seed. And that's really the work of Chris Paul and, you know, the bubble sun's going eight and no. So uh, I'm really excited to see that. I think they're a dangerous team. I think they possess a lot of threats on the wing with Mikhail Bridges, who has a wingspan like all hell. And, you know, Jay Crowder, I mean, he's hit or miss from three, but he's still a pretty reliable defender for them. And I guess you can pick between Johnson and Aiden has been super great defensively. And obviously you got two great guards and Booker and Paul. And I, I think they're going to be a dangerous outcome playoff time. And I wouldn't count them out because of the, you know, just because DeAndre Ayton's their big because he's been playing a lot better. And Dario Saric off the bench. I mean, it's Phoenix has been fun to watch. So looking forward to that. And my last thing is uh, Boston. They have won eight of their last 10. And I think that's a little deceiving because if we just look at it by game, took them double overtime to beat the Timberwolves. That's not great because the Timberwolves league worst um, team. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Boston. Kemba's he's looking better, but in my opinion, at least, I mean, they struggled to beat the Lakers without LeBron and Davis. Um, yeah. They struggled with the Rockets too, which that's another dud of a game, but they still won, but I, I don't know how to feel about uh, that going. I, I don't know how to feel about the front court rather going into the playoffs, but We'll see, I guess. Um, but I guess I just want to do one last thing before we get into our talk with Damon is my MVP rankings. I have Nikola Jokic at one, Joel Embiid at two, CP3 or Chris Paul at three, uh, Giannis at four, and then in some combination of five, six, and seven, you could put Steph or Dame or, you know, some people may even say Harden. But in the end, I think he's missed too many games. And I, I think Steph with his team being, you know, just about 500 or just under 500. I'm, I haven't looked at the standings in a day. I don't think that's enough to win MVP, even though you're having numbers that are just out of this world, but looking forward to the playoffs. The play in tournament is less than a month away. Uh, I'm really excited for the West play in tournament that could end up being jaw, Steph, Luca, and Zion. Imagine that that would, that would be insane and super great for ratings and it would just be awesome basketball to watch with the league stars and the star power and just how good all those players are and yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to it um i picked philly to come out of the east coming into the season i feel like right now i'm going to stick with that pick because their defense has been top notch when Embiid and simmons are on the floor together and you know i don't think any team is beating a healthy lebron james and anthony davis uh, Lakers squad, but you know, that's the thing. We don't know if LeBron and Davis are going to be back in time or back at their full uh, play potential in time for the playoffs. But if they're healthy, I don't see anybody who beats them, but I think there's going to be a lot of good series. I think uh, Phoenix is going to be a tough out. I think Milwaukee, I think we're discrediting what they've done recently with the addition of Drew holiday. I think that he is going to be a huge, huge difference come playoff times because of his closing ability, because of his defensive prowess on the perimeter, he can guard like one through four. He can even guard five on a good night. And I, I just think they're P 
people are discounting what they've done because, you know, of the falter in the playoff last year, only winning one game against Miami, which of course they got to the finals, but still, and then blowing the series to the Raptors, which in hindsight, you know, it doesn't look that bad, but you know, playoff failures, people are going to start to view you differently. And I'm excited for the stretch run of the NBA season. Uh, looking forward to it. And yeah, here's Damon. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Around the Old 160. Today we have Damon Altizer joining us. Uh, out, he runs Driven Training. And uh, here's Damon now. How are you doing today, Damon? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. So you graduated uh, UVA in 09. Uh, you were a walk-on there under Dave Lato before Tony Bennett came. And you were, you've got a quite impressive resume. You were a progress engineer from 2009 to 2011. You're director of operations at Hoop City U from 2011 to 2012. Then you were at Albemarle from 2012 to 2015. And now you founded, uh, you're the founder and CEO of Driven Training based out of Charlottesville, 2012 to present. And you train basketball from all ranges, from high school to college and the pro level. And you're also the head coach at STAB now. So just tell us, you've got such a diverse background of jobs. Just tell us how you got from point A to point B. Yeah, man. I uh, So right out of college, um, I wasn't really considering uh, basketball as being being a profession, I mean, like you said, I, I walked on at UVA and then finished there and went on to an engineering job and just kind of assumed that, you know, that's what I would be doing was something in, in that realm, um, working, working a nine to five. And a couple of parents from the area reached out and just said, hey, we know you walked uh, that you had walked on at UVA. Would you be interested in working with working with our kids? So, uh, you know, I said yes. And it was just kind of a, started as a passion, um, found that it was just a tremendous passion, something I wanted to, to pursue more than just a couple kids here and there. So started going to going to coaches clinics and reaching out to those who were in player development um, and what quickly went from a, you know, go to the gym for an hour or two after the nine to five quickly became a nine to five and then being in the gym from six to 10 and doing training sessions on the weekends. Um, so just been very fortunate that what, what kind of started as a, as a side hustle or, or a passion project has now become, become the full-time job. Uh, my wife was in grad school at Duke when I when we moved down there for a bit. Um, and we kind of always set the goal that once Driven got to a certain point, then that would be be the full-time job. Um, and so for the past five or so years, obviously I coach at Stab as well, but the full-time nine to five, if you will, is Driven. And so I get to, you know, put on Kobe's and basketball shorts to go to work every day, which is, you know, definitely a blessing and something that I never could have foreseen happening when I graduated from UVA. Yeah, I mean, what's the transition like from a progress engineer to a basketball trainer based out of Durham and one of the great programs in Duke that you get to, you know, drive to work by every day? Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. It uh, when I had the engineering job, I literally had to wear steel toe boots and a hard hat to uh, to work every day. So it was, you know, engineering to the fullest extent. Um, I do feel like now with kind of having that background, analytical background, it makes it makes the basketball side of things easier um mm -hmm. and it's, i think it also gives me a, new, a different perspective on training as opposed to just having been basketball 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 um and then got into coaching um to kind of have stepped away and then seeing that side of it, it you know it gives a, it gives a unique perspective that that still comes into play today with you know, my training philosophies and things along those lines i mean so what kind of sparked you to launch the driven program because you know i first heard of it in the summer of 2019 
because I saw on someone's Instagram story, it was like Ty Jerome was shooting around at our gym. And I was like, oh my God, that's Ty Jerome right. <laughs> at the gym a mile away from me. And, um, and it just kind of just exploded in my opinion, uh, over the past couple of years, but yeah, just tell us about how that got started. Yeah. So it, uh, when, when I knew that it was going to become the full-time job, I was really looking for, for a brand name that was, you know, or a brand that was something so much more than just my own name. A lot of people in basketball use their, you know, first name, last name, basketball. And I wanted something more, you know, more all encompassing than next level basketball or, you know, a lot of what, a lot of what you see with not, obviously there's nothing wrong with, with those names. Um, so I was just kind of trying to find an adjective that describes everybody that I like to be around and, and driven was kind of that adjective. Um, and it, just anytime you hear great players or great people or great leaders described driven is always an adjective that, you know, that is used. Um, and then obviously it, uh, in the way that we spell driven is with the one. And so the assumption with everybody is all oh, division one, high level. Um, mm. We use the one as a kind of a one purpose, one family where everybody that we work with, whether you're Ty Jerome in the NBA or if you're a middle schooler trying to make your JV team the next year, you're part of the same family. And when you're in the gym with us, we all have the same purpose, just to, to stay driven and to keep working hard. Yeah, for sure. So I was listening to, uh, you know, you're acquainted with Drew Hanlon, right? Right. Yep. So I was listening to him. He was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast over the summer. And um, he was telling this story about how him, Steph Curry and David Lee uh, were all at lunch. And it was right after Steph signed the four-year extension. They were at the Cheesecake Factory. And, you know, he asked about Steph and he, Steph thinks that Drew is a college coach. And he's like, David, what are you doing? You're taking advice from a kid that's at a mid-major college. Like, why aren't you taking from advice from like someone that's like at the highest level? Right. And he said, listen, Phil Jackson couldn't beat Michael Jordan. Phil Jackson couldn't beat Shaq or Kobe, but Phil Jackson could help be beat Michael Jordan, Shaq, and Co or he could help get MJ, Shaq, and Kobe all get better. But Drew can't beat me, but Drew isn't better than me. But Drew can identify things that can help me get better and help do workouts that help me get better. And that's why I'm here. Like, and I guess that leads me into my next question. What you're a guy who was a walk on in college and you were almost a member of the club trillion, which is, you know, kind of having all zeros right, right. across the box score, smart right. Titus, but what draws uh, like NBA caliber players to get uh, like training skills from a guy like you who didn't, you know, have a lot of success at the college level, I guess. Right. Yeah, for it. sure. It, uh, it, it's interesting too. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like, you know, Drew kind of has a, a similar philosophy when you can be passionate about basketball and, and whatnot. And sometimes if you're, if you don't have all the, the physical skills or those, you know, the physical gifts, I should say, you kind of have to look at the game in an, at an extremely analytical point to try to find how can advantages be created. Um, obviously some players, some players are going to be NBA players based on their, their size, athleticism and their strength. Um, and if you have guys that are freak athletes like that, and they really dial in on the skill side, then they become your all-stars and whatnot. And on the other hand, you have your, your guys like Ty Jerome who don't really have, you know, vertical and lateral agility. Yeah. All those things are pretty limited. Um, and so for him, like when we watch film and things like that, we have to dial into those, those small details. Um, and he's kind of talked about how so, it, with somebody like me, it's, I had to find things like that to even have a remotely chance of being a walk-on, um, yeah. much less having the success that those type of guys have. But it's, you know, it's, I think you get, you garner the respect when you show that 
you are invested in just because just because you may not be able to do what DeAndre Hunter or yeah. David Lee is able to do. That doesn't mean that you can't be analytical. You can't analyze. You can't find those micro skills that they either need to you know, make better or improve or maybe recalibrate altogether. Mm hmm. So like, what do you tell clients when they first come to work out with you? Because I assume it's like a no BS scenario. Like I'm, you're paying me so I can help you get better. Like what, what's the first thing you say when people come in the gym or on your text or whatever? Uh, so when people first reach out, um, I, I'm big on, you have to reach players before you can teach them. Um, you have to build a relationship before, you know, before they're going to be willing to come back. And so you know, obviously clients pay, um, but I always tell people, Hey, come, come do a workout, see what you think. Um, and then we'll go from there. I'm not, I'm not the guy who, if somebody reaches out the first time, asks for a commitment of 10 or 15 or 20 workouts or anything like that, because I do want to build a relationship and I want to make sure the player, regardless of middle school or you know, trying to be in the NBA, I want to make sure that they feel comfortable with me and they trust me. And it's not something where they come and I'm not going to be for everybody. Drew Hamlin's not going to be for everybody. Chris Brickley, anybody, you know, the, the bigger name guys, um, and I think for me, the relationship is everything. Uh, and then they come in, we go through a workout. Usually the first workout is a mixture of a lot of different skills. So it's kind of an assessment um, as opposed to, hey, let's come get better on day one. Uh, and then then we go from there and kind of put, you know, talk about putting together a plan and, you know, just attacking it after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when Drew was on that pod with Rosillo, he was saying like, I think it was Kelly Oubre he was working out with. And he was like, the first thing we did was just, we worked on defense for the entire time. And he's like, I want to be able to shoot threes better. And I think Drew said something to the extent of, well, I think you're more equipped to like be a slasher, be a cutter, and we should just do more stuff with that. So what is right. a, So what do you tell players when they come in? Like what's a regimented workout look like for someone at the collegiate, high collegiate level, D1, power five, uh, or the pro level? Right. So I have sample workouts that I send when, you know, when players first reach out, like this is what a workout may look like, how it's going to be broken down throughout the hour uh, prior to working with somebody, especially if assuming they're high school or older, try to go through and watch as much film as possible. So I obviously I don't want to come into the workout blind and, Hey, we're going to work on your on shooting threes. Well, this is a player who can't shoot threes at all. Um, we need to start somewhere else. Um, so again, like it, the workouts are very similar and then we typically go an hour or so. Uh, one of the, I think one of the, my favorite things is, or one of my favorite things about how we do things with Driven is we're big on players' autonomy and empowering them to really give feedback to what they want to work on and how they want to work. And, you know, pl some players are super receptive to very innovative drills. Some players, they just want one basketball and they just want to get, you know, quote, game reps. Um, mm -hmm. And kind of going back to your previous question for, for us and for me, the, the relationship is everything. Um, and regardless of what, you know, what the foundation may look like or the philosophy or our curriculum. If we don't have that relationship in place in the first, you know, from very early on, then, then nothing else is really going to matter. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what's like the thing that people ask to work on the most with you? Like, and then what do you end up working on the most? with? Them? Um, I, I, it's, it's funny you asked that. I started, I, a girl started working out um, like two weeks ago as a middle schooler and I was asking her dad what, what she wants to work on. He's like, well, she wants to extend her range to shoot NBA threes. Um, yeah, it's a middle school kid. So you get a lot of that, <laughs> extending range and ball handling are the main two. Um, and we always end up going back, even with higher level guys at all, it all comes back to footwork, whether it's uh, somebody who is going to have the ball in their hands and use the pick and roll and have to break guys down off the bounce or somebody who's playing out of the mid post and 
my bit, the analogy I always use with players is regardless of how immaculate you want your house to be with your game being your house, if you don't have the footwork, you have no foundation. So we can get to the point where we're doing sidesteps and step backs and all the fun stuff um, that you see on, you know, see Kyrie doing. Uh, yeah. But if you don't have the footwork to be able to go left, right, right, left, play off the two, do all those different things, then none of the rest is going to matter. Um, so I send a, a questionnaire to clients initially when they, you know, they want to come on board and it, it's always like they want to extend range or they want to create separation. They want, you know, improve their ball handling. Um, and it's always very early in that first workout when we do some footwork things that typically players struggle with. And mm-hmm. we kind of say like, Hey, when you get this down, then we can really get after the things that you want to do, but we ha- you have to be able to do what you need before you can do what you want. Do you get pissed off when uh, people take Dame Lillard, Steph Curry, Trey Young threes? Because at some point I get a little frustrated, like, you know, the step back three, it's like, yeah, it looks sick, but you guys are making like 20% of them. So I don't know if it's right. the best shot. <laughs> it's, uh, I have a couple of kids in workouts right now who uh, we literally have a rule when we're doing certain one-on-one games where they're not allowed to shoot step backs. Um because that's, that's all they, to your point, that's all they would do. They'd dribble here, dribble there, then shoot a step back that may draw iron, may not hit anything. Um, but all they care about is that they got to shoot a Steph Curry step back. Um, uh, but definitely, it looks sick. Like, hey, you guys, right. <laughs> as long as you don't watch where the ball went after it left your hand, you're, yeah. you're in good shape. <laughs> so you have four steps to your driven program. Can you just tell us how you came to develop those? Uh, you, got, you can just kind of hit them if you want to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, so very, very early on to kind of go back a little bit when I used to train and a lot of coaching clinics I went to, it was so drill based um, and, you know, teach the skills, not the drills is, you know, that's it, kind of a common philosophy, but then I was encountering so many players and mine included who they were great in drills and on cones or on chairs or those type of things. Um, but then when it come, came to gameplay, that was, you know, they really struggled with that. Um, and so then kind of going beyond that, that's another one of the questions I would get a lot is I feel like I'm great in training. I'm making shots in training, but at the same time, like when it comes to games, I'm just not being, just not being successful. Um, so the four steps that we have are one technical development, two tactical, three process and decision-making, and then four live games. So your technical skills, and especially with younger players, that is that footwork we were talking about and your footwork, your ball handling, your shooting, finishing defense, um, just the skills that technically you have to have to be successful in the game. Uh, and then with higher level players, we spend some time on that, uh, but then try to incorporate those technical skills into tactical based workouts where say Todd Jerome, maybe we're working on a certain finish, but to get to that finish, we're coming off of a certain ball screen read. So you're playing out of pin downs, ball screens, actions that players are going to see, see in the games. Um, then the process and decision-making piece, and this is huge in, in the workouts with any, players of any age at this point, is you take those technical and tactical skills and as opposed to just repping a pin down or a ball screen, well, then it's totally live. And so you're playing out of a ball screen and maybe you can only finish on one side of the court, but there is a defense there. So trying to hit training from all aspects where you have to develop the technical side. Obviously, you have to have tactical skills. You have to be able to do it in a game. Um, but then what it matters most is being able to make decisions and try to speed your mind up where we work on, you know, making those decisions more quickly. Uh, and then step four being live games. Once you've gone through all that, then it makes it that much easier for things to translate to the games because while well, I repped out ball screens, I repped out ball screens against defense will come game time. 
you've already done it. And not just against the chair, but against the live defender. Um, right. And since I've kind of transitioned to that, that philosophy in the last two to three years, um, it, there's just been a tremendous improvement in players, um, especially lower level players who are finding more success in games where before it was almost like I was doing a disservice to them because we were doing so many on air reps or cones or chairs. Uh, since we started adding more defense and doing so much more where they have to process and make decisions in games, the results have improved tremendously. Uh, what did uh, over the summer, or I guess since last March, what did work it, workouts look like for you? Because I know getting gym access was near impossible for like a good six months, five <laughs> right. months, like, and that kind of puts a, puts you in a difficult position considering that's kind of what you need to do your job. Right. Yeah. It was, as obviously COVID has been a curse. Um, mm -hmm. One of the blessings was that we were able to get a gym um, basically as soon as COVID hit last year in Charlottesville for, uh, for Ty and Dre to come back and work out. Uh, mm -hmm. So about two weeks after the NBA season came back, they were here for six or seven weeks before the NBA started back again. Wow. Um, so granted, that's not a normal, not a normal off season, but they were here yeah. and we would, you know, we would shoot, they would lift and we would work out. Um, so it was very, very fortunate in that regard. And summer rolled around and able to get a few more people in the gym. And it was, it was just weird, man, because you had, mm -hmm. you know, some families who were, well, we don't want to wear masks. We can compete. We're playing AAU on the weekends. Some families wanted masks and only individual workouts and didn't want the ball passed to their kids and whatnot. And it was, you know, like everybody in the world, it was navigating a, a never before seen circumstance. Um, mm -hmm. so workouts, you like sometimes you probably would have walked in the gym last summer and it would have been like, Oh, it's a normal workout. Then other times there'd be a kid in the mask and I wouldn't even rebound for him. Like they had to get through a rebound. Um, which I think it all Had a makes lot of you fun. A better teacher and a better <laughs> exactly. It was, it was just some very long 60 minute sessions. That's for sure. Um, but it, like anything, like any challenge, regardless of your profession, it makes you better. It makes you find new ways to teach and to coach and to learn. Um, so now coming out of it, you, you definitely feel better because of it. Mm -hmm. So for the current listener, you've mentioned Ty and Deandre, but you know, you've got, You've trained some notable people. You've actually trained two friends of the program, at least to my knowledge, Pearson Young and Devin Hall, and maybe Jalen. I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Uh, you know, being based out of Charlottesville and attending UVA, uh, you've ended up working out with a lot of those guys. So just like give us some of your best clients that you've worked with. Yeah, it all kind of started when uh, with UVA guys when Justin Anderson was in college. Um, so he was kind of the first one. It was right after we, my wife and I had first moved back to Charlottesville. Um, and since then it's kind of become a, a semi-regular thing. Um, right after him, you know, Devin Hall, Darius Thompson was there at the time, London Ferrantes. Um, mm -hmm. then after that, off the national championship team, you had Ty, Dre, Jay Huff worked out some vomity. Um, it's been fun, uh, you know, being here in Charlottesville, like you mentioned, it's to be around some of those guys with the success that they've had, uh, albeit a very, very, very small part when you're seeing those guys so often having gone through the UMBC loss and then winning a national championship. Like it's, it was fun to watch. Um, yeah, for you sure. know, it's just, it's hard to put into words like what that year was for everyone. I'm going mm -hmm. to feel like you had like a tiny, tiny little part is very special and humbling. Yeah. I'm in. I, I think about it all the time. It's, it's just, it was so great, you know, getting made fun of by all of my friends as a Virginia fan about the UMBC. And then coming back the next year and winning it was awesome. Right. Like, so, but like you said, some of your clients, DeAndre and Ty, 
they've both had stellar seasons. Obviously, DeAndre got hurt a little earlier in the season, I think around January, but his defensive numbers were off the chart. He's averaging 16 points per game, five rebounds, and two assists per game. And uh, what, what have you worked on with Dre that seemed to like – he took a giant leap from his rookie year to his sophomore season in the league with the Hawks. Yeah, when they when they were here last uh, – so they were here, like I mentioned, for the you know the six to eight weeks in the, in the beginning of COVID last spring. Then the NBA was obviously in season, and they came back in the fall, which was the you know, typical summer offseason was last fall because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And with Dre, one of it was a lot of shooting, um, a lot of catch and shoot, because obviously he wants to be more than a three and D guy. But if he can shoot the three at a high clip, then you know, he's going to be in the league and make a lot of money for a very, very, very yeah. long time. Um, another thing that he's always wanted to sure up is, is his ability to handle the basketball, um, because he, he he put on the floor a little bit at UVA uh, his rookie year. He didn't do it a lot. Um, his numbers in the pick and roll and all that were not not exceptional. Um, and so I think he's he's definitely a player who the next couple of years, the jumps that he he is going to make, he's got the opportunity to make significant jumps, showcasing that he is much more than just a three and D guy. Um, so mm-hmm. that being said, we worked a lot on him handling in pick and roll, handling in disadvantageous situations against multiple defenders. Because um, just just like in college, that's kind of once you're in your season, you have you're working on what you need for the team to be successful. So while you may get you know, some ball handling reps here and there. He's not spending an entire workout focusing on handling against pressure in the pick and roll because that's not going to be his role. Uh, so the fortunate thing coming back and then especially in the spring with so much time is we can do this every day. We can shoot a ton. We can work on your handle. Um, and then so now, like I'd, I'd asked him last summer, I was like, what do you think? I was like, what do you think separates you from like a rookie or second year Kawhi? Because um, Kawhi is somebody that he really likes and looks up to. And he was like, it's like, I don't really know, maybe just the opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. So we've just kind of talked all along about this summer or this year being the opportunity season where you're going to have a more significant role. You're going to have the opportunity to showcase what you can do. And obviously prior to the injury, he was he was definitely doing that, shooting it well, playing off the balance. And people are starting to see you know, kind of his full arsenal of skills. Yeah, I mean, and it showed why, you know, he was in trade. Uh, he was included in that Anthony Davis trade package with the pick to move up to four after the national championship. And, you know, we all do the thing where it's like, well, he's a little bit old. Should we really draft him? Because he's only a sophomore. It's like, he's 20. Like, come on, guys. But, you know, at first, the Hawks were kind of in a tailspin without it. Obviously, they figured it out now with having Bogdanovich uh, push Trey off the ball more. But, yeah, I really hope he gets back for the playoffs. Uh, But and then your other one of your other guys, Ty Jerome, uh, he obviously was in the Chris Paul trade. Uh, just got all those shipped off to Oklahoma City. <laughs> and, you know, it kind of felt like he may get cut. I don't know. But then right. this year, Oklahoma City, Sam Presti with what is like a war chest of draft picks. He's just given all these players <laughs> opportunity to grow with Shea and Dort and Darius Baisley and Ty. And, yeah, what, are, what stuff you worked on with Ty, too? Yeah, with him, it uh, you know he was had such a frustrating rookie year. Um, got hurt the practice before it was supposed to be the first game with the Suns. Was expecting to be backup point guard, and then you know he obviously did not have a good rookie year at all with with injuries and all those different things. Um, and then comes back this year and gets hurt like the first practice or whatever and missed that time at the beginning. Um, but the biggest thing with him and he's he's just a supremely, supremely confident guy. Um, is 
he was never wavering throughout his rookie year. And he kept saying, as soon as I'm healthy and have an opportunity, I know that I'm going to be able to showcase what I can do. Um, so the big thing throughout the summer with him was shoring up his release. Uh, we worked a lot on extending his range because um, he wanted to be somebody who, I mean, in college, just, you know, his last year, he was in the top 1% in catch and shoot. And so he wanted to be able to do that from 27, 28, 29 feet, as opposed to right at the, you know, right at the NBA line. Um, and so then now I think kind of starting to see that uh, now that he's kind of getting in a rhythm and getting in a groove. And um, I'm not sure last night was shooting there right at 40% from three and guys are running him off the line. He's kind of showcasing that he can play off the ball and be somebody who shoots it so well when guys run him off the three point line, well, then he's such a great decision maker that he's, he's setting guys up. Um, and it's, you know, it's, I think it's exciting to see where he's going to be in years to come. Um, like you mm -hmm. said, with, with the thunder, they're giving these guys an opportunity to grow. And I think he's definitely showing that what is such a premium in the NBA right now, guys who can shoot the basketballs, he has that skill at an elite level. Um, at a very, very elite level. Uh, and to your point about like getting cut or whatnot, because he, he is somebody too who needs to be in a good system. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like obviously it wasn't a great fit with with Phoenix, needs to be somewhere that's going to value shooters and value guys who can make decisions when they get in the paint. Um, because obviously he's, he's not somebody who has tremendous athleticism and some of the right. floaters are very awkward looking. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, some of the feedback last year was like, oh, you know, how's – his athletics isn't going to be that much of a hindrance. Um, but I think he's showing now that, that there is a place for him in the league. Um, and then he has a skill set that is very unique, given one, how well he can shoot it, and then two, how well he can set guys up. Yeah, his passing is outrageous sometimes. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy to watch. I mean, yeah, I mean, and how do you, how do you differ from guys who I like a tie who, you know, lacks the athleticism, but like a DeAndre who, you know, we saw the flashes at Virginia with the, I think it was like in 2018 when they were playing Carolina where he had that drive out of the corner and just right. baptized Garrison Brooks. And it was awesome. But, you know, that right. was kind of <laughs> one of the few flashes we saw. And, you know, he really took the leap. So do you work on like agility with those guys or like just getting bouncier, I guess the best way to say it? Yeah. So when they're here, um, so Mike Curtis is obviously the strength coach um, at UVA. So he has a business in Charlottesville called Adapt Training. Um, so when they're here in town, they work with one of Adapt's trainers. His name's Kenny Sabo. Um, and so all of the speed, strength, agility, prehab, rehab stuff they do with him. Um, so like a typical, a typical day of workout, uh, like last fall, was be they would come in and lift with him from, say, 12 to 1. Then we would go shoot for 20, 25 minutes just to shoot off the lift uh, and then come back and do skill work at night. Um, but all of those different things um, – you know, strictly performance-based they do with him. And then when we get in workouts, trying to improve certain things with, like, say, DeAndre's athletic or DeAndre's finishing at the rim. Well, in this drill, you've only got – you're coming off the pick and roll and you've got two bounces and you have to finish at the rim through through contact or through a defender because have, you know, multiple guys helping with the workouts. Um, but then on the other hand, with somebody like Ty, where it's craftiness or maybe quick release on the floater to get it up before the shot blocker can react, it may be some different type of rule where you have to finish off of two feet or you have to finish off a one with your left hand. Um, so I don't necessarily, you know, I leave the, the performance to, to the pros in that regard. When we get into workouts, we're definitely trying to, to capitalize on what type of athleticism they have, how they biomechanically move that then is applicable to their game and game scenarios. 
And uh, one of the last things I want to ask, so you're the coach at STAB. So did y'all didn't end up having a season this year, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, correct. We, uh, we had a positive COVID test the day before our first game. Um, that yeah. kind of ended it. So uh, unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So I guess what do, you, what do you look forward to to next season? Because you got great gigs going on both ends with the training and then the coaching too. Yeah, it's just just being able to play, man. The uh, mm-hmm. you know our, the main crew of kids that we have are all kids that I've worked with here in Charlottesville since they were in fifth and sixth and seventh grade, and some of them now are being recruited at a decently high level. So it's so fun to watch these kids who, you know, they didn't come in as a reclass junior who I just randomly met or anything like that. It's kids who I've literally known since they were in grade school and elementary school. They all get along. They're all best friends off the court and regardless of where they go collegiately and how successful our season is next year, just them being able to play together is what I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, hopefully we win some games and, you know, have a successful season, but you know, you hear so much anymore with, you know, private school hoops where kids from all over the place, they don't get along and kids leave and things like that. Having kids that like each other so much um, and they're talented at the same time, like it's just a special group to be around. Yeah. I mean, I think we were fortunate to get, I think our team got like six games in and even then some of them like still got shut down because of COVID, but here's to hoping that by next year, you know, uh, got all our our kids coming back except for Tremaine Parker. But I I guess I'm just really excited to see where it goes next season. And, you know, hopefully stab and VES both compete at a high level and have great success. For sure. um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, I, Thank you for your time, Damon. It was awesome talking to you. For sure, man. Thank you. Um, and definitely good luck with the rest of uh, with the rest of your school year. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, see you around. Awesome. Have a good one, man. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for listening to Around the Old 160. It was truly an awesome year. Uh, looking forward to Expo Day on Monday. And yeah, I can't thank everybody enough for listening along the way. Uh, It's truly been awesome, and yeah, uh, have a great day, everyone.